Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So, welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. I'm very, very pleased to be joined by a man today who I've been trying to pin down for a while, actually, to get onto this podcast because he's a, he's a very interesting guy. And, and I heard him on a other podcast a, a little while ago, and it, his story really resonated with me. I'm really impressed with some of the stuff he's doing, especially with with giving back to people who are less fortunate and and people who may go down a different route in life and start getting themselves in trouble. So I felt what he was doing with the program that he offers up to the young people is absolutely fantastic. And I thought, you know what, I need to get him down. I need to get him on the podcast, especially with COVID-19 going on at the moment and people having loads of time. It's a perfect time to get this chap on and get him talking about himself and, and, and see if he can help some people out there. So TJ, TJ Atkinson, I am super, super excited to have you on the J2 Hub podcast today. So welcome. Thank you so much, James. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking your time out, first of all, mate, and, uh, and joining me here today. So TJ, I'm going to start by asking you, I normally flip this up. Most people will say, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do. I want to ask you, I'm going to go in for the complete opposite side. I'm going to say to you, TJ, why do you do what you do and what are your ultimate goals and what's your why in life for doing what you do? You know what? Really good question. I tried to prepare for this interview because I knew or I assumed it would be the basic interviews, the basic questions. Hey, how are you? What did you do? So, yeah, let me think about that in a second. Um, To answer that in as fair way as possible, why I do what I do, um, I want to make as much money as possible. A lot of people hide that. A lot of people don't like to talk about money. I'm very intentional about money. I want to make a heck load of money um, because I think it affords you a certain lifestyle. But more importantly, my greater why, aside from making a lot of money, is to show people that it's possible. So I talk about this quite, um, quite often. Um, 2008, 2009, Barack Obama became the president of the US. And that completely changed my perspective, completely changed the way I did everything, made me as much money as I could ever imagine, because I realized that it means that there's no more barriers. Of course, I accept that, you know, there are still some injustices, there's still some prejudice, there's still racism, there's still certain systems that keep certain people down. But Barack Obama becoming the president completely opened my eyes to to, to this notion of, hey, what you're saying is if this man could become president, if this man can achieve something so amazing, so great, what's my excuse now? What's anyone's excuses now? Because we come from a certain place. So certain, some of us come from Southeast London. Some of us brought up in poverty. Some of us, our parents never had any money. And you grow up and you start to believe that that's as far as you can go. You can't exceed what your parents done. You can't exceed what, what, what you see around you. And then I look at Barack and I say, whoa, this man can do this. As from now on, no more excuses. And that set me up because I said, if he can do it and he can inspire me when I'm successful, I want to get to a place that I can teach people how they can also achieve a level of success. But more importantly, that level of success changes the way you perceive every single thing. You open the gates for yourself. You free yourself like a horse coming out the gates. You start running and then you attract other people with you. And that's how you change a community. That's how you change a society. So many people are so focused on trying to make a little bit of money for themselves, not realizing that, hey, when you make all that money, you've got to inspire other people so that it trickles down. And that's what moves me. I want to change people's lives. I want to impact people. And I know a lot of people say that just for nonsense reasons, because it sounds great. But genuinely, I want to change as many people's lives as possible and show people coming, especially from my background, that, yo, listen, you don't have to go down that route. It doesn't have to be crime. It doesn't have to be drugs. We can make a good living. We can buy the Rolexes. We can buy the cars. We can buy anything we want to because we've worked hard for it. And you get to change your life. You get to change your neighbor's life. You get to change your neighbor's friend's life. And it just spreads as a seed. And you've done your part for the world. And that's me. Wow. Wow. What an answer, man. I was not expecting that. I, I wasn't uh, expecting that. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was some serious free flow there, man. I mean, uh, 
I think I think first of all, where you said um, you know about the money, I thought, wow, you know, this guy's big. You know, good on you for being so honest because you're right. A lot of people, a lot of people don't admit it. You know, a lot of people don't admit I'm here to make shitloads of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've just cut the barrier straight there. That's me. This is TJ. I'm here to make money. I make and then money. you've gone in. And you've then you've gone in to tell me why, which is. You know, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. And something you said there, TJ, that touched upon as well, where you said, you know, we get we get we get caught up in thinking what our parents did, you know, what they achieved. And I'm with you there. I'm from an Asian background. You know, I grew up in the late, in the eighties and the nineties here in the UK. There was still a tad of racism when I went to school. And you know, going through my business as well, being an Asian guy in a print company where I started my my whole career. Yes, it was. You know, it was a, it was a white man's game. Yeah. I had to try and make my stance and make my mark in this. So I hear what you're saying. And looking at your parents, you automatically think, no, nah, no, nah, this is the box, man. I can't get out of this box. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I say to my mum to this day, I said, listen, what you achieved with the resources you had makes you a baller because you yeah. did well. I'm looking <laughs> at you now and I'm thinking, well if, done, I was, yeah. if I was to equate what you did back then to now, you you're you're exceeding me man you are you're up there your hustle level was way up there absolutely absolutely but but i'm with you in the sense that i tell people as well i said you know why are you sitting in this comfort zone man miracles happen outside of this absolutely zone. but it's interesting you say that it's most people don't know they don't know and i spoke about this not a plug in fact it is a plug so i'm not ashamed to plug um one of my books called untangling success i actually break down why people don't achieve success so going back to the money part just want to touch on that first why i'm absolutely intentional intensely intentional about money you will never achieve anything that you're not intensely intentional about money doesn't fall in your lap money doesn't sit in the sky and when it rains it drops in your hands just doesn't do that you've got to put processes in place conscious processes in place to go and get that money that's why most people don't achieve and make any money because they skirt around they kind of maybe could want to get the money but you've got to be so focused and so intentional and that's why we see billionaires and millionaires no one falls into a billion pound no one falls into a billion dollars it requires strategy and that's why if you're not intentional about it you're not going to put strategies in place so as i was saying with regards to my book why most people don't achieve any success is because your brain is designed to protect you you forget that you're fighting against the most powerful computer in the world and the most powerful computer in the world is ultimately designed for protection that's why it's trapped in a big massive case right here so you can't smash it think about it this way when you feel like doing some difficult work you get down, you sit down, you start doing the work and all of a sudden your brain says, hey, you must be tired. Hey, how about we, <laughs> how about we watch EastEnders? How about we watch Love Island? How about we watch a Netflix show? But that's by design because your brain starts to see this as stress. Whereas your brain says, hey, we don't want to stress you. Now think about it. The idea of coming out of your comfort zone, pursuing money, breaking barriers, exceeding your parents, exceeding expectations, breaking the social norm. Your brain says, hey, this is getting uncomfortable. So how about I put something more comfortable in front of you? So before you can even attempt to start understanding success, you've got to understand how to trick your brain, how to bypass your brain protecting you from actually achieving what you want to achieve. That's the foundational part. This is what I teach these young kids. And all of them say, yo, TJ, man, I like that watch, man. How can I get it? I say, yo, number one, you've got to know how much it costs first. Number two, you've got to go try it on. Number three, you've got to rent it if you can. Borrow mine if you need to. Walk around, see how it makes you feel. And then over time, your brain has a conversation back with yourself and says, okay, that watch is 10,000. That watch is 20,000 pounds, but it feels good. So how about we now formulate a plan to allow you to buy it? Your brain's not going to allow you to achieve something that it can't concede because it thinks if it pushes you out of the comfort zone, guess what's going to happen? It's going to shut down. You're going to die. So you've got to slowly tease your brain to tiny little things and say, hey, do you know what? It's kind of okay. I'm trying out this watch. I'm trying out this car. I'm trying out this materialistic thing. I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And eventually your brain says, hey, do you know what? We didn't die. I'm going to permit you to break out of that comfort. I'm going to push you now. That's reverse engineering. That's tricking your brain to actually ex excel you or propel you to where you want to get to. But people don't sit down. They don't study. People argue with me so much about self-development. And I'm like, do you know what? Anyone from, as from now on who's got access to the internet, if you argue with me about mentoring or self-development, I'm not going to have a conversation with you because there's just so much that we need to learn. 
and you can't learn it all by yourself go and read books go and watch videos pick up videos get a mentor get someone that knows what the flip they're doing who can fast track your growth sorry when that's I put a, right no 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 that's great man that's <laughs> great I, I i hear you on that because i say to a lot of people as well i say the biggest obstacle is getting over this thing here your mind i go because what you tell that mind it's going to believe you Absolutely. know it's a, it's a simple fact you tell it happy things you're going to feel happy. Absolutely. You tell it sad things, you're going to feel sad. And it's as simple as that. And once you realize that, you have overcome a massive, massive barrier. Absolutely. And the example I give people as well, I go, look, it's like feeding your body. Look at an athlete. Let's say a boxer, for example. A boxer is going to be up. He's going to be skipping. He's going to be shadow boxing. He's going to be lifting weights. He's going to be running, you know, because he's feeding his body with what it needs. You know, if he started sitting there watching Netflix, eating donuts and, you know, not doing any skipping, not doing any shadow boxing. That's what you're feeding your body. Yeah, exactly. So I go, it's exactly like your mind. So if you're feeling stressed, don't be going on Netflix and watching something where someone's cat's died or it's proper. Why do you want to be if you're at a minus? Why do you want to be going even lower? Put something off that's going to hit you up or motivate you. And the example I give people is I go. Anybody who's watched Pursuit of Happiness will know the minute you watch that film, you if you ain't motivated after watching that film, there is something wrong with you. Yeah, then then give up. Then just give up. Yeah, forget about it. Absolutely. You know, in in, in saying that, Pursuit of Happiness is actually my top three favorite movie. Mm -hmm. I watch that movie at least once a month. So I'm really happy you said that because it just reminds me of the graft, of the journey, of the pursuit. But um, there's a book that changed my life. And I promised myself, I think this was four years ago, that I would buy this book for 50 people a year. And up until this year, I've been doing it. It's a book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by a man called Shard Helmstetter. So as I said, every single year, I post it on my Instagram, on my Facebook. I say, hey, it's that time again. I'm going to buy it for 50 people. This book on the first few pages hits you straight in the face with regards to mindset. It says, if you come from a relatively okay home, you are told no. You are told it's not possible. You are told it's impossible to achieve this 180,000 times before you get to 18. Now, remember, that's your most susceptible period. That's where your formation is. That's where you start to believe who you are. And if you come from the same okay home, that same home, you are told, yes, TJ, it's possible. You're told that 50,000 times. So you're told no three times over yes. So guess why? As you get older, your dreams start to dissipate. As you're a kid, you, you think you can fly. You want to be an astronaut. You want to take over the world. You want to be the next Bill Gates. But by the time you come, become 18, you're like, oh, yeah, my mum was right. I'm not good at maths. I'm not capable of this. The society is this. The world is this. And your dreams get squashed. And that's why I try and give back to these kids. Like, hey, do you know what? Forget about what anyone else has said about you. Number one, focus on hard work. Number two, just know what you need to get and be willing to put in the work. Don't get tempted by all of this nonsense going on around you. What is it that we need? And what is it that you need to see to get you to the next level? No, that's a that's a great point there, man. I think I think as a parent myself to two young boys, I think the the biggest mistake I can make is saying no to them or saying you can't do this. You know, it's got to be yes. Come on, how are you going to figure this out? How are you going to fly? If you want to fly, show me how you're going to fly. Obviously, don't obviously, obviously don't jump out the window and do it. But you know what I mean. Think about it. Don't don't limit their beliefs because you're right. They're fearless. They've got such a strong imagination. And to them, Mm -hmm. anything is possible because like you say, their mind has not been drummed in with the nose and you can't do this and you're limited. And they've not been put in that little box of society just yet. They're heading there. But it's your job as a parent to dive and back out absolutely, again, I feel. Absolutely. I think it's our job as society to stop that because a lot of times we impose our self-limiting beliefs or our fears on people unwittingly. It's certain things that you might post on social media, such as, hey, this can't happen or this isn't possible. And someone, even, even an adult who's still developing their business brain, who's still developing their confidence, we take so many bits of information and it becomes our, our information. That's why, as I said, I think every single person needs therapy and I think every single person needs mentoring. Mm -hmm. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on the mentoring 100%. TJ, tell me about yourself, man. What was your upbringing like? Upbringing wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't as bad as I would like it to sound. You know, it's always great to say, you know, um, I lived in a cardboard box and um, (laughs) (laughs) that would make an incredible story. My parents were grafters. My parents worked hard. My mum had three jobs, if not 
yeah, two, two or three jobs, my mum would spend more time working, which showed me or taught me the power of getting what you want. Um, I still went down the life of crime, which is the weirdest thing ever. Most people assume that you come from a shitty home, excuse my language, you come from a terrible home, you come from a bad place, that's what leads you down a path of crime. And it's actually not the case. It's because you're a young person and you want to fit in. And this is when I do my property events and I speak to adults, I get all the adults, I say, hey, raise your hand if you're a parent in here. And they all get up because they think they're going to get a gift or they're going to get a bonus. And I say, hey, I've got a big, massive bone to pick up every single one of you. And their faces drop. And I tell every single one of them off saying, hey, do you know what? You guys have got to learn how to make more money. You guys have got to understand how to buy back more time because it's easy for the streets to end up raising your kids because you're spending so much time working. You're spending so much time chasing money, not understanding money and getting enough to be able to buy back time to actually raise your kids. But my parents did what they could. Um, I still got arrested a number of times. Um, I still got myself in trouble a number of times. And, um, but I think just seeing my mum working every single time made me realize that if I really wanted something, I had to put in the effort. And that's pretty much every, my guiding principle, um, growing up. Uh, so you grew up in London, right? I grew up in London, South East London. South East London. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm East London born and bred. So I, I feel you there just across the water. So when you were getting into crime, would you say there was a period where the streets were bringing you up? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I remember when I was talking to my mum about this some time ago, we would run around central London stealing mobile phones. We would run around central London robbing people. Um, again, of course, I'm embarrassed to say it now, but when you look at it, it, it's just stupid as a child. There was a time that I snuck out of my house when mum had gone to night shift to go and break bus shelter windows and I was arrested and my mum was called um, during a night shift and she she never let me forget the story the, the police called the hospital that she was working in and they spoke to a receptionist and the receptionist went on the tannoy and said hi Miss Atkinson your son has been arrested please come and when my mum like my mum came to get me from the station and she was like look this is getting embarrassing now like, what is it? Why are you going? Why are you breaking bus shelter windows? Like, what is it that you actually want? And um, over time, you start to realize that being in a gang, being affiliated with certain people is not going to benefit you. But this is the thing why, again, going back to, to the program, I'm not trying to plug the program. It, it's it, nothing to do with that. But my life is kind of centered around the young kids program. It's showing them that they can make money elsewhere. These kids are bored. These young kids are bored. They don't know what to do with themselves. And what most of them care about is the Instagram lifestyle. They look at their peers on Instagram. They look at the rappers. They look at the singers. They look at the Drakes. They look at the, 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 the successful people and they want it. But the quickest way to get it seems to be by selling drugs, by doing this, by stealing this. And our job as adults and as entrepreneurs is to put alternatives in front of them to say, hey, look, this is possible. Go and do it this way. Same thing I say, um, being a Christian myself, we, we get a lot of people in the church saying, hey, let's go into the high streets and let's speak to the young kids about drugs and tell them to stop being drug dealers and let's tell them to come to Jesus. And I'm like, that's fine. But if a drug dealer has a liability of £10,000 a month, his car costs 2000 his rent is £3,000, his expenses is blah, 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 then what is the alternative that you are offering? We're always mm -hmm. trying to give, we're always trying to give advice, but what's the solution? What's the alternative? And I think that's what I need as, as a child. I needed someone to say, look, don't go down this route, follow this route, as opposed to, hey, teacher, don't be a bad boy. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's not enough. Give me the solution. And that's what I think every single person needs. That's why, as I said, um, I happily pay people to show me the di right direction. And that's why I also put the time and effort into these young kids as well. No, that's good, man. That's some really good, powerful stuff there. So tell me, once you were out of the life of crime, or what point uh, did you get out of crime and, and, and how did you sort your life out and get on a, and a, on a straight yeah. track? So I went to uni. I went to Hertfordshire University. And um, I think just before I went into uni, I started buying and selling cars. 
So as I got into uni, I think I made my first £10,000. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm the richest kid in this uni. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought I had made it. But I think it was, it, it was the gas. It was the excitement. It was telling people like, yo, listen, man's got 10K. And people were like, oh, my God, I don't even have any money. I've got student loan. And I felt like, wow, this is a nice feeling. So it pushed me to carry making more and more and more money. But fast forward, I finished university and um, I studied HR. Um, I like the idea of being able to hire and fire people. That's the only reason I studied a four year degree in human resource management. End of uni came. I got my first job in human resource management as a admin. And I was like, hold on, this is really boring. My personality doesn't suit this. This just doesn't work. So I said, look, what can I do next still in HR to utilize my degree? And it was recruitment. So I started off a recruitment company. My mum gutted out her entire garage, turned it into my first ever office. We did work experience kids. We hired people. We outgrew that office, moved to Liverpool Street. All of a sudden, I thought I had made it. I went to visit one of my friends, a guy called Jason in Germany. He was living out there for a while. I think he had met a girl. And I was there for about a week or so. I fell in love with every single woman in Germany. I was like, oh my God, I need to come back here. So I went back to my business partner in Liverpool Street, had a meeting and said, hey, Roman, listen, I think we need to move the business to Germany. And it didn't make sense. Managed to persuade him. Um, we moved the business to Germany. Big difference. In the UK, everything is based on personality. I can walk into a room right now and I can light up the room because I know how to communicate and it's all based on rapport. I could go into any room right now and say, hey, you've got kids, blah, 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 build that relationship. In Germany, different story. Absolutely different story. I, worked, I walked into the first ever meeting. Hi, my name's TJ. Silence. Guten Tag. Da, 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 da. No one was listening to a word. And we realized we've made a big, massive mistake just because I was chasing women. We ended up hiring a guy called Marcel. Marcel, we trained him up, grew that business, over 20 employees. And this, again, is another life lesson. You don't know what you don't know. Seek advice for the stuff that you don't know. I know how to, how to motivate my employees. I know how to sell. I know how to bring in business. I'm a salesperson. That's who I am. I'm trained in sales in various forms. But in terms of understanding numbers, in terms of growing a business, I should have got help. Business came crashing. Mm -hmm. Everything, lost everything, came back into London, moved back into my parents, into my mum's house. And um, I started hanging around with some Asian kids. Um, I used to think Asian kids were the most fortunate in the world because I know your ethics, similar to Africans, is just work, 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 work. And um, <laughs> these Asian kids' dad owned about 40 properties. Uh, Mr. Yusuf. And um, they introduced me to that life. That's how I fell into property. The dad pulled me aside one day when I was hanging out, at, hanging out in his house in Orpington. He said, hey, TJ, I've heard your story. I've heard that you're an entrepreneur. I've heard you've made some money. I heard you've lost some money. I've got an opportunity for you. And he said, hey, here's the keys. Here's 20 properties. So I actually officially started my property journey with someone giving me 20 properties to manage. So at wow. this point, yeah, so to most people, when I'm doing my events, I'm talking to people, they're like, how are you going to teach us how to start in property when you were given 20 properties? But the truth is, we always say what goes up must come down. And literally, after about a year of managing these properties, that's when I discovered Airbnb, took all those properties, put them on Airbnb, made around £30,000 first month, took all the money back to Mr. Yusuf. And then I said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but here's all the money I've made you. And he was expecting around 16K back from his rents. And I gave him 30K. He was like, this is our little secret. This is between us. Don't tell my kids. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually the kids found out. They thought I was trying to steal their inheritance, which the truth is I was. The dad was worth 6 million. And the son had calculated that when the dad passes away, he gets 2 million, the brother gets 2 million, the wife gets 1 million, and the sister gets a million. So I think they thought I was trying to come after their, <laughs> their inheritance. And eventually the relationship broke down. But what that did for me is it opened my eyes. I asked the right questions. I saw an opportunity and I ran with that opportunity. That short experience, that one year experience allowed me to go off and start speaking to agents, landlords all across the country and taking on units and units and units. Then 
sourcing, developing a sourcing business from there, and then developing a training business, all from one experience, which comes down to, if you don't know something, ask. If someone offers you an opportunity, as Richard says, I say Richard like he's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) If someone offers you an opportunity, like Richard Branson says, and you don't know what the heck to do or say, say yes. And it all starts from there. It's Mm -hmm. find the right opportunity, run with the opportunity, and just put all your effort into it. And that's allowed me to go off to get to the stage where I am now. And that's now pushed me into a stage where I'm now buying developments and doing commercial conversions. But it all starts with, you've got to find that desire. You've got to find that one thing that's bigger than you. Channel it. Have that big reason. My reason is to inspire a generation. Oh, I like that. I sound like Drake. Drake said, inspire a generation that's lacking in patience. But that's what I want to do. I want to inspire young people like me. Um, I want to inspire young black kids mainly who don't perceive themselves to be able to get into property. As you mentioned earlier on, uh, property is deemed to be a rich old white man's sport. And this is the reason I've got in trouble a number of times in property. Um, I've had a lawsuit in property where I've had to sue someone just for chatting rubbish about my name. Um, There's certain circles in property that I don't belong and people don't realize. And again, this is not me doing the woe is me stuff. I, I don't believe in that stuff. I just believe in working hard. But I think there are certain groups of people who unconsciously don't want certain people maximizing in what they deem to be their strategy. And you know what? My message to you guys is, boo-hoo, I'm gonna come take my slice of the pie and I'm gonna teach a bunch of my friends and a couple of people from the hood how to become property investors. That's what I'm passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, man, I hear you. DJ, let me take you back to Mr. Yusuf. Yes. I got a question for you. So why would Mr. Yusuf not trust his 20 properties with one of his sons or one of his kids? No, 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 he did. No, he did, he used me. He used me. And again, I'm not thinking back years later, I'm not fussed. His son was messing around. So his son was managing all these properties. But as I said, the son literally thought I can mess around because when my dad passes away, I'm going to inherit all of this. And Mr. Yusuf said, I want to give you an opportunity. And I swear to God, he told me later on, he was using this to teach his children a lesson. And I said, I'm not fussed. You can use me all you want because I've managed to make money. But look what's happened now. I made money and I've run off with this opportunity. And I think there is a matter of complacency. I think when you think, obviously, you're going to teach your kids not to be complacent. I learned something from Gary Vee some time ago that he would never allow his children to turn out to be jerks, essentially, because what's his is his. And if he happens to give some to his kids, then they get some. But, you know, there's some people that think because my dad is rich or because my mum is rich, that they're rich. No, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You've got to find your own. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- that, that was my experience with um, Mr. Yusuf. But he changed my life. Um, he literally showed me that, listen, you can get into property, albeit with what people call a secondary strategy. And I don't think it's a secondary strategy. I think rent to rent and service accommodation is a formidable strategy. I've made a killing in this. I have clients who've made a killing in this. I have people who pay for their, their lifestyle with service accommodation. So I think Mr. Yusuf, I think every single person... Um, I think Airbnb. <laughs> mm, no, good stuff there, man. Good stuff. So let me ask you about, um, so now, Mr. Yusuf's talked to you kind of the property game. He's, he's made you understand that you can get into it as a, as a young man. So what was your first strategy on your own? Once you got out away from Mr. Yusuf at that point in your life, what, where did you go? What did you do with that? I dug back into service accommodation. So remember, essentially, Mr. Yusuf owned these properties. He was renting them out normally. So when he gave them to me to manage, all he wanted me to do was find tenants and look after the property and maintain the properties. But I discovered Airbnb. So I should have told you the whole story. He said, do you know how to manage properties? I said, yes, I do, which I didn't. So I ran, <laughs> so I ran home, typed on Google, how to become an estate agent. And this is the truth. Airbnb was the first thing that came up. They must have been running some Google ads and it came up right at the top. I clicked on it and I saw list your property. At that point, Airbnb was saying things like, put your postcode in. And it says other operators or other homeowners in this area are generating £3,000, £5,000 per month. So I was like, okay, cool. While I'm learning to become an estate agent, while I go on a course to become an estate agent, let me put the properties on here. And that was 2014 before service accommodation became a thing. 
And that's when it blew up for me. But he ended up taking back the properties. But again, for me, it was the aha moment. And this is something I teach, how to take advantage of the aha moment, which means once you get that eureka moment, once you find out something, run with it. And that's what I did. He took back the properties, but my mind said, hold on one second. So what you're saying is, I could find another landlord like Mr. Yusuf that's happy for me to put their property on Airbnb. And all I've got to do is just spend time finding these people and put it on Airbnb. And that's all I did. And I've stayed in service accommodation. That's my go-to model. It's only in the last, well, this year, March this year, that I purchased my first ever commercial, um, that I purchased my first ever development. Um, but throughout that period, I've been able to take on and buy, buy to let units as well. But as a strategy, service accommodation using rent to rent my strategy my strategy wow wow so when you were in service accommodation well you're still in service accommodation um at your peak how many units did you have 140 so again just 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 to clarify because some people get excited when they hear that i'm talking about 140 units in terms of tied up deals so operational it was around 65 So we had two developments that were on the verge of going live in about a month or two. And then we had an incident with WorldPay where our accounts were frozen um, by, I don't know if you know WorldPay, and they froze over £400,000 off the funds. And at that point, we're due to pay landlords, we're due to pay investors, and everything was completely frozen. So at that point, units disappeared. But we had 140 good and ready to go. But that's at the peak but in terms of serviceable and operational during that period, 65 units. Odd. 65. Wow. How are you managing it all? Um, a team, operations manager, business partner, no sleep, no stress. I've got PTSD. I don't obviously not diagnosed, but I, since 2017, my phone cannot ring. If I hear my phone ring, my soul literally judges like I literally because when you're dealing with so many units and thousands of clients per week and per month whenever your phone rings it's always because someone's lost the key someone's had someone's had an incident something's been broken someone's locked out and I remember when I need when I knew I needed to do something about it was I was lying in bed once and I literally remember talking to myself while I'm sleeping and then laughing to myself, saying, oh, my God, you're actually losing the plot. And I rolled <laughs> off my bed and fell on the floor. And I started cracking up laughing because I was like, do you know what? At this point, you need, you need some help. You need to get some help because you're doing everything yourself. A little bit of a control freak. It's let every single guest call me. Let every single tenant call me so I can deal with it, so I can provide a good service. And it's not healthy at all. Not healthy at all. Wow. So you got yourself a team put a team in place and things were running smoother and you weren't falling out of your bed anymore. No, no, now I sleep well. As I said, my phone on do not disturb. I haven't heard my phone ring in two and a half, three years. Um, and it's actually an incredible strategy. I think people should adopt this. Obviously, if you've got kids, then you've got to find another solution. But if you've, if you've got a team in place, if you don't have major responsibilities, put your phone on do not disturb. I get a lot more work done because I'm not hearing my phone ping at every second if your phone vibrates you look at it if your phone pings you look at it if someone messages you on facebook you look at it and you get distracted in pockets of every one minute every two minutes but now i look at my phone every 20 30 minutes and if i've got a missed call it's someone i can call back if i've got an email i can respond to it later so i can be proactive and get on with my work and that saves me hours and hours every single day because we don't know how long we spend on social media no, that's good. You know, that's uh, that's really kind of focusing your attention on the task yeah. in hand. I mean, I use uh, when I'm on my Mac here, I use uh, something called cold turkey. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, uh, oh, it's no, a system called cold turkey. So what cold turkey does is uh, it allows you to just hit hit the play button on the cold turkey and it and you put a list of stuff you just want to cancel on it. So you will cancel WhatsApp, Messenger, Facebook, YouTube, anything. And if you set, a, say, a, a time frame of 90 minutes of focus time, this cold turkey app is not going to let you go to any of those websites for 90 minutes. I'm or it's downloading gonna... it now. I'm <laughs> downloading it now. Wow. It turns off all notifications. And you're thinking, damn, all I want to do is go onto YouTube and play some soft music in the background. <laughs> so I can concentrate on my work. But yeah, I like the cold. That. 
cold turkey has hell no not for the next 90 minutes so that allows me to get very very focused and uh i'm with you man i'm with you like you know being someone who's run a a business before and the same thing that you said you went for a failure it all collapsed i was very much working in my business Mm -hmm. i had very bad business training you know i didn't go i didn't go and ask people like you said you don't know what you don't know i didn't ask people and i look back now and i think that's primary prime reason why my business failed I want to talk about failure with you, TJ. Yes, sir. My favorite topic. Tell me, tell me about, I don't call it failure anymore. I call it very valuable lessons. Ah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about some of the very valuable lessons along your journey, man. Yeah. Um, recruitment business in Germany, not knowing what the heck to do, not understanding finance, not knowing how to manage your team, um, thinking, just making them happy superficially was what a manager does. Um, Again, I've learned better now. Now I've tried to reduce my amount of people um, that I work with and still get the same amount of results. Service accommodation, another big failure is partnership. You've got to know who your partners are. You've got to know their ethics. And you get a lot of people running around raising funds left, right, center. But yes, you might need the funds, but you've got to know who you're working with. You've got to know what they stand for. You've got to know what their temperament is during hard times. Now, it's difficult to find that out because you might form a partnership, but you might not realize that this person, when who hits the fan, how they're going to react. Um, mm-hmm. But as I said, I'm, I'm a big, massive fan of failure now. I, I, I talk about this quite a lot, actually, um, in, in, in other places. In terms of what team do you support, by the way, James? I'm not really a football fan. No, 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 nor am I. I was but, hoping you could give me a team. I don't know who's who. <laughs> but, but, but being a local uh, East London, it, if I was supporting the team, it'd be Later. West Ham, I guess. West Ham. All right, cool. Yeah. So let's let, let's use them for example. Let's say West Ham win a match, a football match against Arsenal. They go home. They celebrate. In fact, they go to the clubs. They pop some champagne bottles. They get really excited, and they have the best time of their life. But what happens when they fail? They go back into the locker room. They have a conversation. They find out who fell, who didn't pass the ball, who messed up, how they messed up, and they strategize, which does what? It makes them better for the next game. Nobody on this earth sits down and strategizes and analyzes why they win. That's why we need failures. But again, just just off the topic of failures, before you can fail, you've got to have started. So for the people who are listening to this podcast, and I know you've got a big audience, hey, forget about failure for the min- for the meantime actually start so you can experience some failure so you can learn about your attitude so you can learn about your temperament so you can actually go forth and say hey this is what i'm rubbish at let me get some help let me go and develop this because it's best for all of this stuff to happen at the elementary stages as opposed to you building a big business and then experiencing that failure when you've never failed before i get excited and my friends were calling me a hater when anthony joshua lost his match against um, ruiz i was excited of course i am a little bit of a hater i wanted him to lose but i I wanted him for, for my own personal reason. I needed him to have failed. I needed him to have failed earlier on. So he knew what failure felt like and knows that failure is not defeating. It's just momentarily. And I needed that from him. But secondly, what I wanted to learn from Anthony Joshua was how he would deal with the comeback. And that for me was really important to see how he carried himself with regard to the comeback. It just shows you over and over and over. Failure is just a moment in time embrace it learn the lessons and use those skills so many people go into business and this is the thing i find so interesting with many people that i talk to is they start one business so you could start let's say a hair business where you're selling hair for example and it fails and then you move on and you start selling computer tech or you start selling software then that fails and you start um, a property business the fact is you're going to keep experiencing failures because you didn't take those valuable valuable lessons that you can take from here and apply it to the next thing they just jump ship and jump ship and jump ship and then guess what happens with that you blame that situation as opposed to blaming yourself and saying hey this failed because of me and what do I need to do to get to the next level? And mm. I, I think people have got to be prepared for it. You will fail in, in property. Not every single property deal is going to go right, but you've got to set that expectation that not everything is perfect. You're not perfect. Life is not perfect. Learn the lessons so that when you go to the next one, you can take those skills and add it on and compound, compound on your failures. Mm-hmm. Now, I like your example there of, uh, of Anthony Joshua, because if you look at him, when he went into the Ruiz fight first, he was very 
relax you know yeah. he had a shape up his hair looked good yes that skin was looking good he's on point you know he's smiling yeah. laughing you see him when he's come back once he's lost no haircut no haircut he's got a beard yeah. guy's looking rago he's proper serious yeah yeah he ain't, yeah. He ain't yeah. happy he ain't celebrating yeah. and i think you're right you know failure teaches you that i think it's almost like i say when you fail and you fail massively it's like god landing a massive hand through the earth and just giving you a big slap across your face yeah. to say oi waste man wake, wake yourself up, up. wake up bro yeah, because yeah, yeah, you yeah. need you need a bit of a shake here because you're you're going uphill 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 like this and you ain't got no formal training or you don't actually know what you're doing yes. and before you get up there and fall let me just push you down a little bit before it gets a little bit more serious absolutely i love that i think that's probably the perfect analogy and i think many people need to accept that as as truth and this is why so many people end up not doing because they hold everything in such high regards as opposed to realizing that life is fickle business is fickle but you can attain success once you learn the lessons and again go and learn it from someone else ask the right questions people are so afraid to ask questions which just completely blows my mind i get it because obviously we are products of our childhood we're products of our pasthood when you were in school the geek that puts their hands up and asks questions everyone says oh my god why are you such a geek and that affects us going up forward but you start to realize that it's actually a skill and the people who ask the right questions are the people that tend to succeed. And I was doing an interview some time ago and um, someone said, oh, he mentioned about so some people are just too curious for their own liking. And I said, no, big mistake. People need to be more curious. You need to ask more questions. And he said, curiosity killed the cat. And I said, no, curiosity actually grew the cat. It's the seeking more information that turned that cat into a tiger. It's the feeding yourself of more knowledge that takes you from here to becoming that huge, massive beast, that formidable beast that's going to take over the world. Ask more questions. Never be afraid to ask questions. When I sit down in front of with my team, with my clients, with, with the, the, the young kids that I mentor, ask me questions pick my brain find out what is it what is that burning thing that you need to know and the worst that's going to happen is i say no and i say go and ask google or go and ask someone else but if i do answer that question that one thing could change your life so don't be afraid to ask questions tj mm-hmm. is there is there any particular failure in your life like a big one that still resonates with you that that you think about and you think god that one hurt man that one oh. hurt big time yeah recruitment it was my recruitment business because i put everything on there i thought i was i at that moment i thought i was barack obama i thought i'd made it i felt like i was diddy we would go out every single night we would be champsing it up uh taking the team taking the team out getting girls of our dreams living in penthouse of my dreams my dream car was a bmw 645 at that you can see how long ago that was and i thought i had made it when i got that car albeit it was a lease, but I thought I was, I don't even know, Tupac. And then to to then find out that it failed because of negligence and laziness and not being um, as on point as I should have been. Because if I didn't know something at that point, we just thought we'll deal with it later. And those kind of things are what kills you off. This is why, as I said, I'm not afraid to ask a question. You might think I'm silly. I say, excuse me, how does this work? How do you invoice this person? When do you do this? And I ask the most simple questions ever. And if I was to go back to school or university again, rather than sitting in the back, I would be right in front. I would be asking my teacher, can I carry your books for you? Can I, <laughs> <laughs> can I carry your bag, sir or ma'am? Because listen, if, as close as you are to the source, that's where you get the real value. Mm. And I wished, as I said, I, I, I just wished I knew what I knew now then um but again i'm grateful because all of these things made me who i am today and all of these things have helped me in property and all of these things help me when i'm teaching other people because i look at myself and i say well i guess some people are scared to ask questions that's why i go ott on teaching people and saying maybe they don't get it let me re-explain it let me explain it properly let me do this so that people really get a grasp of how they can change their life through property Mm, mm, no i hear you i hear you man um when when your business collapsed, yeah, did you blame everybody else around you? Absolutely, of course I did. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, oh my, up until now. So the business mainly collapsed because one of us, which up until today, I still blame my business partner, Roman, had an invoice, one of our vendors. Um, and you might understand this. There are certain businesses that pay you in 60 or 90 day cycle. We mm-hmm. were about 300,000 euros overextended. We had moved to a new office. We had hired new staff. I had got a new penthouse. Business partner thought he was um, some fashion icon buying Montclair jackets for 5,000 pounds. <laughs> but we were living that sort of life. Um, and one of us forgot to invoice. And it takes one small mistake in terms of, hey, put systems in place, hire an accountant, hire an admin, just tiny things. And when I look back, I'm saying this could have been avoided. And I say, well, this was your fault because you wanted to grow the business. It was your fault because you didn't press send. It was your fault because you did this. And I'll blame the staff and say it was your fault because you didn't bring in more business. But at the end of the day, it was my idea to move to Germany because I was trying to chase women. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you start to learn that as a leader, every single thing falls on you, every single thing. And that's one thing that I've learned going forward. After I've had other failures, I take full responsibility because any further failure would be, I haven't trained my team properly. I didn't give them the right information. I didn't ask them questions or I didn't enable them with the right tools to do their jobs, every single thing. And I get excited about accepting failures because I then sit down and me being me, how I perform is I beat myself up. And that's the way I actually learn, not physically, but I I sit down and I write down the whole list of saying, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. What part could you have played here and how could you have identified it here? So it means the next time I will never make that mistake again. That's why I'm so critical about assessing and analyzing every single thing. I'm so critical about it. So I don't keep doing the same things over and over and over again. And that's Mm. what gives me my superpower. So I talk to my team about this all the time. I believe I can see the future, not in a spiritual way. It's a matter of I've had so many experiences and I've compartmentalized those experiences. So when a situation is about to happen, based on me asking questions, based on me learning, based on my other mistakes, I'm able to envisage or foresee what's going to happen so I can kind of go past it and not through it. And of course, I call it a superpower because most people haven't had any experiences. They don't have any um, failure backbone or no experience backbone. So they're just learning each time and they're bumping and bumping and crashing into stuff. Whereas I can now say, okay, if I can pull out this piece of information from this place, this is what happened last time. I didn't ask the right question. So I'm going to ask this question. I didn't do this. So I'm going to do this instead. So it allows me to go around situations as opposed to going through it now. But that's because I put myself through there and I'm a learning machine. I learn, 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 read books, ask people questions, get more audio. But I can't beg people enough just to improve themselves because you only know what you know. So why wouldn't you try and know what Bill Gates knows? what Richard Branson knows. Why wouldn't you try and understand things from their perspective? Because clearly they're the people that we deem to be successful. Copy them, emulate them. And that leads me to to talk about one of my favorite strategies in the world. It's called emulation. I came across these three German brothers. They're called the Samoa brothers. Um, And their business model is really simple. It's a matter of emulation. They find something that's working and they copy it. And they're worth 2.3 billion by not creating anything, but simply copying. They've got their own version of Amazon. They've got their own version of, um, I think, Just Eat. They find things. But you, w- once you realize that, hey, I'm not, I'm not Albert Einstein. I'm no philosopher. I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm no one special in that sense. Hey, you can cut half of your journey by just looking at a model that someone else has done. And you say, hold on, if this person's done it and they've done it successfully, then I can do it. Number two, if it's working well for them, it means they've done all the research and development. And research and development is always the longest stage. But you can simply say, if it's worked for these guys, then I can do the same thing. They don't have 20 heads. They don't have 60 brains. I can also do anything that anyone else has done. And that's how I run my business. That's why service accommodation for me is one of the best models. Because think about it, for a hotel to start, you've got to buy the land. If you're in central London, that land might cost a million pounds. Then you've got to build a structure. Building the structure is another million pound. Then you're spending 20, 30, 40,000 pound a month on marketing. But all we have to do with our strategy is find a property near a hotel and divert the business and the traffic and ethically still the hotel's business and put them in our apartments. And we make 500, or we make 1,000 pound per month per property. That's the idea of, hey, emulate, copy what someone else is doing and don't beat yourself up because you're not the most original. 
You don't need to be. Hardly anyone's original. Facebook is not original. Facebook was a was a part copy of MySpace and Friend Finders. Um, Amazon was probably a, a copy or, or amalgamation of different things already there. I don't believe there are any new ideas on Earth. I think they're just reinventions, reinventions, reinventions of of other ideas. And your job is to provide a better service, and that's why I love service the committee. That's a great answer, man. Great answer. Thank you. Just going back to where you said, um, you know, you blamed yourself, uh, you blamed everybody else for Mm -hmm. the failure of the business. The reason why I asked you that question is because I don't know about you, I don't know if you know about me, but I had a print company that was doing several millions of pounds a year and I lost that business as well. And, you know, soon after losing that business, I was exactly like you. I blamed this person, I blamed this person, I blamed this person. Then one day I had a realization and I thought, hold on a second, James. Who was sitting on top of that hill? Who was yeah. controlling everything? Yeah, yeah. And I thought, it was me. And then I thought, no, that staff member wasn't wrong. Your hiring process was wrong. Yes, yes. You know? wow. And I think I think as soon as you look at yourself in the mirror and you think, nah, man, this, this ain't got nothing to do with anybody else. The yeah. buck stops with me. When shit hit the fan, it was your fault. Yeah. It was your yeah. fault for not dealing with it or not hiring in the right way, not making sure people were invoiced, not making sure the cash flow was managed properly, yes. going out there spending far more money than you were earning. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's simple yeah. math. So, so I'm really, <laughs> I'm really glad you you yeah. came up with that same answer because for a long period of time, I thought I was the only nutter out there no, who stopped no, no. blaming everybody else and took all the blame on himself. But, but it's easy. It's easy to blame other people, and I. I guess that's why many people do it because you don't have to face the reality that you're actually quite shit <laughs> and you don't have yeah yeah you don't you don't have to face the truth and i think so many people walk around life blaming people for their circumstances my mum was poor i come from a shit environment i come from this place i'm never going to be this and if you get to a certain age if you get to 18 and you still carry that mentality then do you know what good luck to you because there's enough examples out there now to show that there were 10 year olds on youtube who are making millions a year there are 16 year olds on google that are making millions a year there are 30 40 50 year old people there are the bill gates there are the richard bransons there are the mark zuckerbergs so what is your excuse now i know coming from a certain environment is difficult i get it i understand it but the question is this if you see that there's been one person that's come out of the same environment as you then you have no more excuses. That's how simple I live my life. There's no more excuses anymore. If there was one successful person that came out of Southeast London, then I have no excuse to say my environment played a part in this. I accept the environment plays a part. Don't get me wrong for the people listening, but I'm saying, what's your excuse now? Because you, you, you both had the same upbringing. You both had the same influences. What's your excuse now? It's how bad do you actually want it? Is it something serious enough? Do you want change? Or, or are you okay? And I guess you're probably okay if you don't push yourself to the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody else can do it, why can't you? Simple that's, as. That's, that's, it's my, simple that, as. that's it. That's genuinely how I believe it. TJ, mm. I want to ask you about your strategy. Um, rent to rent is yes. is frowned upon by a lot of people. You know, a lot of people think, oh, yeah. you're just creating yourself a job. You're a busy landlord. Yeah. You're changing light bulbs and all that nonsense. Yeah. What's your opinions on it? Okay, so in the property game... <laughs> The people that do the bigger strategies, um, the buy-to-let landlords, the developers, the the, the gurus, they, they're more gurus than, than, than we are. Um, they frown down because they say it's not a real strategy. You're not a real property owner. Okay, cool. I might not be a property investor. I'm a property entrepreneur. At the end of the day, we're all doing this for two reasons. is to make more money so we can live a better lifestyle. If I look at my figures in comparison to a typical buy-to-let landlord, we trump you 10 times over. Now, you might give your property to a management company as a buy-to-let landlord so you don't have to do the job. But we have the same access as well. We can give our property to a management company or we can hire staff to take over and replicate the same processes. The idea of rent to rent and rent to service accommodation is very simple. Some people don't get the opportunity or have the funds to buy. What I'm trying to do and why I push rent to rent and service accommodation is to whet people's appetite. I don't believe you should start and stop in rent to rent. 
I think mm-hmm. it should be an opportunity for you to say, oh my God, wait, I didn't know I could get into property. Now I'm in property. Now I'm pulling in a thousand pound a month from property. What's the next step? It's a matter of introducing you. You don't just jump from not knowing about property to becoming a massive developer tomorrow. It doesn't happen. It's taken me, what, four and a half, five years to get to this place. So the whole idea is teasing yourself is saying, oh my God, wait, so I can make money from property. doesn't matter how I'm making it. Even if it's still packaging, it's sourcing, management, you're making money from property, something you didn't even know was possible. Now you're building that appetite. You're building that hunger and you learn and you learn, you generate money and you move on to the next strategy. So for all the people that talk bad about rent to rent and service accommodation, if I can be very polite, they should shut up because yes, you might not need that specific strategy for yourself, but hey, there are thousands of people across the world that wish they could generate an additional 400 or 500 pound. And once they do that, it sets them up for a bigger goal. So who are you to put someone down for trying to make more money for themselves? It just happens to be in property and it's not disturbing you. So why are people complaining? People spend so much time complaining and I've noticed it in property. It's the only, it's the only industry that I've been in that I've seen so many people just talking and talking and talking. I think there's so many little naggers in property. And as I said, that's why I have to sue one of them, simply because they spend more time talking because they think they are bigger property people than me. And yeah, you might be, but at the end of the day, listen, I want a peaceful life and I want to enjoy my life and make my money. That's it. Mm-hmm. No, fair enough, mate. Good answer there. Good answer. And I think you're right where you said it is generally the bigger people that have got a massive property portfolio who are running training courses who are saying, hey, listen, that's a waste of time. You're just a guy who's changing light bulbs. And I've experienced it. I've seen it at several places. I mean, I was at a PPN event and uh, Napa Napa was in the back and uh, and the speaker was talking about rent to rent and how it's a waste of time. And and I'm looking at the back there. I'm looking over at Napa and Napa's looking at me and I'm like, I'm like, Napa, you're not going to say anything. Come on, man. You've yeah, got to step yeah. up and, and so, hold your own yeah. air. <laughs> the thing is, I, I get it when they say it's a waste of time. But then when you look at the amount of lives that it's changed or the amount of doors it's opened for people, then is it really a waste of time? It might not be your cup of tea. It's the same thing. Some people are going to say TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of these kind of things are a waste of time. But then if you look on YouTube, as I said, we've got 10-year-old millionaires. We've got people making millions from TikTok. So just because you don't understand something or just because it's below you doesn't mean it's a strategy that other people shouldn't do. We're all at different stages in our lives and we all want different things from our lives. If I'm now disturbing you, with my strategy, then I understand it. But if they're all independent strategies, especially the people that want people to buy, most of these people that say, hey, become a buyer-to-let landlord, number one, you haven't even assessed whether they're credit worthy. You haven't even assessed whether they've got a deposit. You you haven't even assessed their their, their attitude to, to risk in that sense. So again, listen, I'm not in beef with any strategy because I happen to be a vital landlord myself. I happen to be a homeowner myself. I happen to be a commercial um, investor myself and a renter-renter. So I just don't get what the beef is. I think everyone should just mind their own business and just um, crack on with their lives. (laughs) Fair point, mate. Fair point. I'm going to put you on the spot here a bit, TJ. Yeah. I want to ask you about service accommodation. If I came up to you right this minute and said, hey, TJ, I've got a couple of apartments here in London. Yep. I want to do service accommodation. Can I do it? Because I've heard all this 90 day stuff, all this nonsense going around. I'm very much like you. I respect every strategy. I don't understand it. I've never been involved in it myself. Yeah. If I came to you and said, I've got three apartments in Canary Wolf. Can I do rent? Can I do service accommodation on it with all this 90 day stuff going on? Yeah. What would your advice be to me? Um, I would say yes. And then I would also say no. Um, simple answer is it depends on your attitude to risk there is a law in place that says or stipulates that you shouldn't do service accommodation for more than 90 nights but again you've got to have an understanding of what that really means on the surface it means you shouldn't however it's talking about on a nightly basis it's talking about on a short-term basis if you've got an apartment my first question would be do you own the apartment or are they rentals big difference because if you own the apartments then we just need to cover your mortgage cost does that make sense? I need to make you a little bit of profit. But if it's a rental, then my first question is, what's your attitude to risk? Do you understand what you're doing? Um, have you had any training? Number one, because you do know that service accommodation is not just the tourism market, but it's the contractor market. It's the corporate market. And if you've got access to get in corporates, 
who are going to stay in your property or contractors that will stay in your property for six months or for a 12-month period, then can you run service accommodation? Absolutely. But again, it, it does depend on the individual. It does depend on an understanding of the strategy. It does also depend on your marketing budget. Do you have the marketing budget to reach these contractors as opposed to them booking it through Airbnb and booking.com? It's a whole strategy, complete whole strategy. So it's not just a, a, a off-the-cuff answer. Um, I say yes and I say no. It just depends on the, on the person. Um, as I said, I run service commendation in London. Many of my clients do. Many other operators do as well. And yes, when service accommodation gets greater regulation, it's going to hit London first. So again, you've got to determine, are you just doing it to make as much money as possible quickly? So you can just build up that, that your attitude of making money and then move to another location. Yes, it, it depends on a number of factors. But still very much possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very much possible. Very, 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 very much possible. But now service accommodation has changed from when I started. Um, I always give this example. One of my first units was in a place called Old Kent Road. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a council estate. There was weed. There was there was drugs on my staircase. I was on the first floor and um, I rented it from a young girl and her husband and the boiler didn't work. The place was full of damp, but I still made over a thousand pound per month on that property, a thousand pound a month consistently on that horrible little property because there weren't that many people in the market. So there was demand and there was supply. So we could provide that service, but you couldn't do that now. It's not mm. possible to do that now. You would be silly. You'll be stupid. In fact, to try and provide that sort of service now when there's so many other options, you're just not going to get any bookings. So again, that's forced the standards to go up. That's forced learning curve to go up and it's forced better quality of things to be on the market as well. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. you can do it, but should you do it again? It's up to you, up to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, good answer there, mate. Good answer. TJ, before I wrap it up, I want to ask you, what's your personal life like, man? What's it like? For TJ, personally, outside of work, what do you do? What excites you? What do you get up to? Cool. So I like I like writing. Um, I've written a number of books. That's um, I, I always wanted to be a crime thriller author. Um, I've written a crime thriller book, which is never going to see the light of day because it's, <laughs> <laughs> cause it's so bad. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I write books. I write a lot of self-development books. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube. That's what I do. I watch a lot of YouTube. Um, I'm just chilled. I, I, I want to take over the world. I travel a lot. I travel, I would say, about 12 times a year. Obviously, once this corona lockdown is over, I'll be back to traveling. I think last year it was about 15 or 16 holidays. The year before that, I think it was 18 that year or the year just before that. Um, I travel a lot. Um, I think the UK is a little bit boring. And um, I think travel makes, um, opens your horizons to so many different things. And every time I go away, I come up with another business idea and I start it and it either fails or it doesn't work or it does work. Um, but yeah, traveling for me is the most important thing. And of course, teaching people how they can actually get some more freedom as well. Mm-hmm. so tj do you do you share your life with a special person <laughs> or are you a, yes, a man I, on his own? no i do no okay. I, I do i do i do um i share my life with myself um yeah, <laughs> I, share, yeah I share my life with myself um i've got two two little nieces um i spend a lot of time i speak to them pretty much every day they're growing up they think they're cool now they don't like me as much and i think they're growing up they're, they're growing up too fast which is really frustrating and i feel like i'm begging them to be my friends but like, hi how are you they're like, no i'm busy but yeah that's that, that's my life in a nutshell that's a really good answer man your special person is you obviously you are a special person yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a very special person yes, yes. I, I like how you flip that one up <laughs> TJ, lastly, I just want to touch on your training course. I know you do your mentorship program. Do you want to let the listeners know what that's all about, uh, how they can get in touch if it's something they want to do? Absolutely. So I run a very comprehensive service accommodation training. I've got a bunch of reviews. I've got hundreds of reviews from people that I've taught this specific strategy, how they can make money through rental service accommodation and using other people's um, assets as well. So you can find the reviews on my business pages or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. But 
I will go as far as to say my service simulation training, in my opinion, and based on my reviews, is probably one of the most comprehensive um, service simulation training programs out there for one simple reason, because I tell you the truth. And the truth meaning I'm going to tell you how you're going to lose money and how you're going to make money. A lot of trainers, I still can't get my head around it. If someone has paid you, why wouldn't you tell them the downfalls and the strategy? So we spend time talking about fraud, escorts, parties, stabbings, things that have happened in our units and things that will also happen to your units as well. We spend time teaching you those things so they don't actually happen to you. Um, and it's just a whole in-depth training. It's usually from nine in the morning till nine in the night. And you go away with a big, massive headache, but you go away ready to take over the world with truthful and factual information. So yeah, people should reach out to me if they want to get into service accommodation. I'm happy to send a bunch of reviews their way and happy to teach them how they can also get started once we get out of lockdown. No, some good stuff, man. Uh, just uh, also, lastly, TJ, you, uh, I know you do some really cool stuff with, with young people. Yeah. Can you touch on that as well, please? So the yes, listeners. of course. Absolutely. So I work with 11-year-olds to 17-year-olds, and we teach them how to become property investors so it's a one-day program we pull up the fancy cars we pull up the watches and we pull up all the shiny stuff that these young kids like and then we teach them that all of this stuff is attainable this way um so again it's very simple they've got to show up at 10 o'clock on the dot if they come at past 10 they get sent back home our last program we sent two kids back home um they've got to wear suit and ties um no trainers it's the whole idea is i'm just trying to show them that listen you've you've got to have some responsibility um, and you've got to behave yourself and you've got to act in a certain way. Although it's not true, you don't have to wear suits and ties. I haven't worn a suit and tie in a long time. I'm just trying to show these kids that you've got to follow a certain process and you've got to do things in order to get to where you need to get to. But the next one, I think it's probably will be around maybe just before kids go back to school. So maybe end of summer, maybe. Um, we're just struggling to find new dates, obviously with the lockdown as well. But yeah, as I said, one of my success clients, Kabir, who's actually featured on your show as well. Kabir's gone on to do amazing things. I've got another guy called Wayne. Wayne, at after the training, was making £2,000 a month by sourcing deals. And that was as a 17-year-old. So there are kids out there that are making more money than adults are making um, through this program. And it's called the Boys to Men program. Wow. Wow. Sounds exciting, man. I wish there was something like that around when I was younger. So do I. I, I, I wish genuinely people had pulled me aside and say, hey, listen, this is a direction to go. Go and focus on this. And I'm going to show you how to do it as well. And that's why I created that program for these young kids. They need it. They need it. No, good on you, mate. Good on you. So TJ, lastly, if people want to connect with you, where can they reach you? Hit me up on Instagram. So that's Instagram.com slash TJALife, L-I-F-E, or LinkedIn or Facebook, TJ Atkinson. Okay, that's great stuff. Um, I'm sure for the listeners you would agree that was an amazing podcast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, some serious information there for myself as well, TJ. Thank uh, you. Some really good stuff about feeding your mind, what you need to feed it in order to be positive. And, you know, some real, real good life lessons there. I The aim of this podcast, TJ, is to reach out to people just to kind of, even if it connects with one person, they listen to it and they think, you know what? I heard this on TJ's podcast. I'm taking this away. I'm, change, I'm changing my life. I'm going to do some big things with it. I think we've had a positive impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank so you thanks so again, mate. Thank you. Right? Yeah, man. No, thank you very much for agreeing to come on. I finally pinned you down. I'm happy with that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll end it there. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.